When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Winning Plays podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Winning Plays podcast back yet again as the Celtics deal away Grant Williams to the Dallas Mavericks in a three-team trade. My name is Brian Robb. We'll be joined by Sweet Trotta later in the show. But first, Ryan Bernardoni at Danger Cart is here uh, to talk about the Celtics. I don't know. Uh, I guess this was probably one of the more predictable moves of the offseason here, Ryan, that that once Porzingis arrives, Grant would be be gone for, I guess, you know, whatever is you consider normal compensation for a sign-in trade, which is just a, a couple second-round picks here. Seemed like it. Um, yeah, after the Porzingis trade, when when we were talking and saying, you know, you were sort of like, well, there's definitely more coming. And I was like, I may, maybe. <laughs> um, but <laughs> We're dismantling. Yeah, I mean, you could do the math on sort of where they where their budget was last year and where it's very likely to be in the future with the the new CBA and say like it it might there might not be anything else. It, um, by all accounts, they have done some amount of like looking around for a Malcolm Brogdon trade, but also it just kind of seems like Brad's a big fan of Brogdon and like he's a good player. Um, the very end was an injury, you know, in the playoffs, so you can't that it's hard to get that out of your mind in some to some extent but like obviously he was he was a good player last year uh but including brogdon or including smart in the Porzingis trade instead of brogdon and the difference in their salaries uh probably yeah made retaining grant williams um just something that doesn't fit in the budget um and beyond this year you know even if it's less in the budget going forward if you agree with the way that i think that the team is now trending in terms of what their you know what what their first plans are um so it's you never want to see a player who's like useful and, and played quite a few minutes, even though he had those weird DMPs and has had big playoff moments leave from a contending team for, you know, functionally nothing. Um, but that's the state of the world right now. Uh, it, and so I'm sure he'll do well in Dallas. I mean, I would assume he'll do well in Dallas. He seems to fit in, into that roster and I can understand why he would want to go there and that he got paid. Um, but the Celtics could have just kept him and, they didn't <laughs> um and you know it seems like it's mostly a budget thing uh that that led them there yeah without without a subsequent move it's clearly a budget thing because this you're what do you what are you stockpiling two extra second round picks for when you're trying to win the title right now like that is unless you're going to go out and do something with those in the the near term then this is strictly budgetary piece and to your point i just think like 
of the Brogdon versus Grant like equation, if you had like an either or situation, I think it's far easier to replace Brogdon at like a an a, a far lesser price or far lesser piece than it is with Grant. With when I just look at the construction of this roster now and the the durability issues that you are undoubtedly going to have in this front court, which is higher upside with Porzingis, obviously, but also like what are the odds that you know, two of those three guys are going to be healthy even, you know, 75, 80% of the time this year. And I don't think that's particularly high, which makes a fourth big pretty important. And yeah, I get you don't want to pay the the eighth man on the roster $14 million per year. But when there aren't really any clearly clear alternatives in place, when you only have minimums to kind of spend to fill that up, unless you are willing to move other parts of the roster, then that could quickly put this team in a precarious position next year. It seems like. Yeah. And you look back at the, the original uh, formulation of the Porzingis trade. And again, the, the difference in salary just between Brogdon and smart probably cost them Muscala for salary matching purposes. And even yep. Mike Muscala, who you can look at and say, well, he didn't play that much at the end has been a very good regular season player throughout his career on some, you know, teams that haven't been great, but he's been a productive player who, as we talked about when they traded for him, has always been sort of a net positive for his team. And if you're looking at where the team is now and exactly that fear of like, do you trust that Porzingis um, and Horford Horford at his age now and Robert Williams are going to stay healthy for the year when like two of them never stay healthy and the other one is 37 years old. Like um, that front court depth is placing a big bet on that you're going to get a level of health that frankly, not only those players, but this franchise have not uh, benefited from in, in quite a long time. Um, so that's a concern and Grant has been durable and he can fill in a lot of different positions. You don't obviously want him to be your center for a long period of time, but like you can play him there when, when you, especially in the regular season when you need to and having also lost. Yeah. Like I said, you know, Muscala Gallinari when they, I don't know if Gallinari has anything left coming back from his injury, but he's now off the roster as well. And again, when they signed him originally, we talked about how he might play at this stage in his career, mostly power forward, but also some center, um, as a stretch option against some regular season opponents. And so like just there's just some drain there in terms of in terms of what your options are. Um, and if you're gonna have a whole bunch of guys who are injury prone, then having five of them, is that better than having three of them? I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know who I guess it depends on who they replace them with. but um, you know, O'Shea Brissett, who they they brought in is not he's a versatile defender, but he's not that type of defender he's you know he's more of a, a wing who can play power forwards than a power forward who can play centers um so yeah it's it's a big concern and i agree that brogdon is an easier archetype to replace although having already lost smart he then does become difficult to replace you know more critical and so it's about it's it's a balancing act across the roster it always is um but it just seems to me like they they went into this offseason looking for upheaval when that would not have been the direction that I would have gone. And that's what they found. That's what they got. So we'll see if they're right, I guess. Um, Cause it, it's a little crazy. It feels at the moment. Yeah. So, I mean, essentially right now it's you're traded smart and grant for Porzingis and a first yes. round pick and what, like five second round picks, six yeah. second round picks. A whole bunch of second round picks. Yeah. And, and, and like I said, and, and Gallinari, who you probably were, was an, uh, definitely was a negative asset because of the injury. But yeah. if he comes back and is playable, 
and Muscala certainly would be playable. So a, an additional sort of front court depth right. goes out and and if those players are healthy, then they are probably. I mean, Muscala got traded. Got you know, it would cost two seconds to add, right? So like, right, you have to factor at least him, if not Gallinari, a little bit in there as well. So it's sort of smart Grant and Muscala for yeah for Porzingis and one first round pick, which will probably be decent. Um, and a bunch of second round picks. A couple of those look like they'll be pretty good too. You know, in in the thirties because they're best of like three and four different teams. Uh, so as like an asset play, it's not entirely, you know, it's not like wild. Uh, but in terms of the other thing is that you've added a lot of players who have little or no playoff experience. And we just don't know how they're going to look at that at that level where you traded out guys who have had big playoff moments. Uh, so that's also a concern. I mean, some people will just write that off and be like, no, I don't care about that. But like, you just don't know with some guys until you get them into the playoffs. And like Brissett and, and Porzingis in particular, like, they're going to play big roles and they have basically no playoff experience. Um, and we've seen with the Celtics in these last couple of years that the game does change as you go deep into it. And that maturity and in some cases, you know, continuity of play and, and things like that can benefit you. I mean, they were of great benefit to the, to the nuggets this year, secondary to having the best player in the world, like usual in the NBA, but like those were beneficial things. This, and the, the team has uh, jettisoned some of that this year. Yeah, that is going to be a, certainly something that, that bears close watching when we get to that flinch line. And now, I mean, you look at where things are at right now with assuming that, you know, Al Horford or Rob Williams is one of the starters at center. Then your your bench is is Pritchard, Brogdon, Hauser, and, um, you know, we'll say Al, assuming that Rob Williams is, is your starting. So that, that's your... Your nine man rotation with guys like, you know, Brissett on the fringe. Um, Cornette, I assume they'll keep for depth. And then you have Banton as just a developmental slash maybe defensive specialist piece. I don't know. And then you have what, two more? Jordan Walsh, I assume, will be on there. So you you, you have at least one, maybe two spots left to play with, depending on what you're, uh, you're doing with these non guaranteed guys. And so the question now is like, what's left? And I think the, what seems apparent now is they they they're not going to have enough room to use. Not even know if they would be want to, but with what's left out there, but you're not going to get the taxpayer mid level to use there. You're still too close to the that second apron there. So if you want to make any sort of medium slice slash you big slice slash, obviously Damian Lillard is worth a discussion here. Um, it's going to come via trade because there's nothing else splashy for you to do, or even semi-splashy for you to do on the uh on the free agent market yeah is, is blake gonna come back i don't know that's um, a good question i haven't heard anything about blake and is yet. jd gonna be elevated to a full roster spot like i don't even know how many roster spots are really available at this point because i don't know who's who's left there i assume jd's definitely not like you you have two way like, again you just can't right? two way again because you just can't yeah. you can't afford to use a roster spot on them at this i point. guess yeah and then champagne who's unfortunately the wrong champagne with the way that his brother playing <laughs> in, in antonio right now uh, in summer league and at the end of last season, but um, I don't, he's non guaranteed. So I'm not sure. So you just end up in a spot where it's like, yeah, how many roster spots are they, are they actually trying to fill right now? But it does seem like we're talking about another minimum signing or two. And then that this might be the roster as it is uh, because for all that people like you and I um, look at Brogdon and say like, yeah, you know, that might not, you may not want to be paying 20 plus million dollars for someone in that role. The team 
you know, seems to disagree with that and, and think that um, that he'll be a vital piece to the team going forward. And without Smart there, it's hard to argue with that. You look at it and say, yeah, they're going to need him to to play play well and defend better than than last year. And Hauser is going to have a very large role on this team, it seems. Clearly. Um, I don't know how you get around that. Like, he's going to have to just play a lot of minutes. Um, and hopefully that works out. I mean, he was impressive last year to the level that a 24-year-old rookie who plays 15 minutes a night can be impressive. Um, but, you know, as an undrafted free agent guy, like he looked like he was was an NBA player for sure um, and, and probably should have played more at, at times. But now it's like, yeah, you're going to need him and you're going to need him to stand up against all, all different types of matchups and not just be um, sort of a change of pace guy. He's going to have to play a much larger role. And then we'll see. I mean, I don't think it makes that much sense to talk about Lillard. We can. Um, we have to. It doesn't seem like there's that anything out there. I mean, you and I have, I guess we can talk about it because you and I have a difference of opinion on like how it would make the most sense to even get there to a Lillard trade. Um but do you do you think they're seriously engaged on that, or was it like put out feelers and then they backed away pretty hard from? I, I mean, I think at the least you have an obligation right now to to ensure Miami empties the cupboard as much as possible if that's the ultimate end result with your offers and with now you're stockpiling even more. Not that second round picks is gonna you know sway Portland to agree, but if you what what's the like what is four second round picks the equivalent of a, a a 20s first round pick at this point like is that is that uh, fair it depends on how many picks you have right if you already right. have a million other picks then the value of a second round pick diminishes because you don't right have you can't use them all obviously carry them all and if you come out of this trade with four new first round picks then having another four second round picks doesn't you know has, has sort right. of questionable value uh, so go talk about that miami trade and what you would think the celtics have like do you some of it comes down to like how much do you value Jovich and Hakez, and we don't know. Right. We don't know what what Portland thinks of those players. Um, the Celtics don't really have a player who's like that. Uh, we just talked about Hauser, who's 25 now. Um, Peyton Pritchard, we know what Peyton Pritchard is, right? Like these aren't like high upside swing guys. Is there what are like what's how do you how would you balance the value of like those guys against just future picks from the Celtics, right? <laughs> Which who knows what those will be down the line. Yeah, it's it's tough. Like, and this I think was worked against the Celtics for years in this during this era, whether it was under Ainge or Brad Stevens, is that like betting that future first round picks for the Celtics will be anything is most teams think like it won't because. And you could say the same for the Heat to be fair. right. That's that's a good like. Is it is it do they do they. Blazers see them as equal, or do they see them as, uh, like the Celtics will probably be able, odds on they'll be better than the Heat longer, um, with this. And so I, I don't think, but you're right. Like they, if there's any team that has shown that they are, win now, now and forever, it's 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 the Heat under Pat Riley. Yeah, but I, so where I land on that is that the Celtics offer for Lillard, with the constructions that people sort of want it to be which is Brogdon and Rob and however else you make the salaries work, not Derek White and three first round picks and swaps and second round picks and whatever yeah. is not actually materially better than the heat, especially if the heat can say, you know, move that, that Oklahoma city pick and say, we'll give you 24, 28 and 30. Well, they're giving three picks as well. And they've got Jovic and 
and maybe Hawkes and Hero. You know, Hero's contract isn't great, but Rob Williams' health isn't great. So right, you know, like he's Hero's value on? might be a little bit better than Rob. Like, yeah, and so if you're trying market. to sort of do right by your all-time great player, who and I would imagine that they are getting a little frustrated with how much noise the the Lillard camp is putting out there today, you know, reports on ESPN about how like his agent is calling around and telling teams not to trade for him unless you're Miami. Cause he's going to be unhappy with like, they're probably a little tired of this crap. I'm sure um, they should be. But in the end, they would probably prefer to, to make him happy. Uh, and those two packages I think are basically the same in terms of value of what they're looking at, which is where I land on. Like, if you want to get into that, then you have to talk about Jalen and we can talk about Jalen for what this current construction of the team looks like and what I, what I think it means for him anyway. But I think that the only way to really get seriously into the Lillard conversation is that you're trading Jalen to a third team who has better picks, who will just give you stuff that is more interesting to, to Portland than what you can give them, which is not materially different from what Miami can. Are you completely out before you get to Jalen? Are you completely out on a Brogdon white picks package? Well, my point is just I don't think they're going to do it because I think they would just do the no. Miami package, which is kind of the same. Like White's better, but Derek White doesn't do a whole lot for a team that's they would have to flip him for another asset and or other picks and whatever. There should be teams that would give up quite a lot to get him. But at this point in the in the offseason, it becomes harder and harder to make trades as teams have already sort of made their moves and, and locked things in. Um so if you could do that, I mean, I guess it would be fine, but you're also like really really heavily into next season at that point you have to win the title at that point because you are going to have to you know make some pretty significant right, decisions on their places and, and those decisions are coming anyway but like losing Derek white at this point um would be tough now if you're talking about brogdon and white but white is going to a third team like what i'm saying with jalen and that's getting you a really premium first round pick from somebody else that may start to shift that that calculus again where it's like oh no we're actually able to deliver value from other teams, a, a pick of a value that is different from a Celtics or heat pick um, that, that might make a difference. But I just think that in the end, like they look at that and they say, this is the same, we're getting the same. And so we'll just send him to Miami and make him happy. So that when he comes back for the next 40 years of celebratory, that events one time the, a year, yeah. they come back. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they just don't want to deal with it. And to an extent, but uh, I mean, um, I don't think, but though it's, if you're sending Lillard to like, a team that will be the top contender. Like they're I not understand. gonna they're like like they can huff and puff all they want. I know. But it's I think he's from, not gonna sit. He's gonna play and he'll get he's over gonna it. Sit. Exactly. He's gonna get over it. I agree. It. But so if like, you're the if you're the Trailblazers and it's like which of these two packages are and you're like, well there's like one percent difference between them. Like do you do you just say okay we'll yeah. see where you want to go. I do think though a white and I mean this is again how aggressive the Sucks want to get with their pay. Like they have they can easily put in like four future first round picks, whether that's to if I don't think you do that clearly in a, in a white package, because I think you're offering the best player compared to the heat in that, in that packages. But if you don't, if you're saying, okay, do the Rob Brogdon four first round picks. And like that, that's the only way that you can consider beating your, the heat package as is, um, yeah. or at least make them have to put in Caleb Martin too, or something like that to make sure that they're, their sort of supporting cast is, uh, you know, as drained as as you would want it to be after that type of move for a rival. I still just don't think that they look at it as that as a difference or as any better. Like four first round picks versus three first round picks in Hawkes or three first round picks in Jokic. Like, what's the actual difference between those? You're talking about 
particularly with Miami, like you're getting 28 and 30 picks uh, for a team that will have a lot of guys who are older versus a team that still has Jason Tatum on it. And, and Jalen in this case, so the construction we're talking about, like I just, it's hard for me to get to a package that when I stack them up next to it, I say like, well, that's just clearly better than Miami. Now, if you're talking about making Miami pay the maximum price, and this is all sort of posturing, then sure, yeah. I get that. Uh, but if you're talking about actually acquiring Damian Lillard, I just think it lands at a spot where it's like, for now and for where we're going to be two and three years from now, the way you get there is by, is if there's a team that's out there that is so confident in their ability to retain Jalen Brown that they would give up two or three really premium first round picks for him. And that the, that's the price that you're paying. You know, you're, you're being able to say like, look, here are unprotected Brooklyn picks here are, and Brooklyn's not terrible, but like, you know, here are unprotected, whatever. Unfortunately, like the Hawks don't have any picks, right? They gave their picks for DeJounte Murray already. Um, where can you find like those assets? And then you're in a, a conversation about whether or not that's worth doing. Is that a better team with Lillard versus Brown? Like, and that's a different conversation. I just think that if you want to actually be the team with the best offer, you kind of have to start there. Because if you're looking at it and saying, well, I think this offer is better than Miami, there's two things with that. One is, I don't know if I agree with that. If it's better, I think they're about the same. But the other thing is that you're assuming that there isn't another team that's bidding the same way the Celtics are and just making a better offer than that. And once you've broken away from saying, well, he has to go to Miami, he's willing, I will, will, you know, we are willing to trade him to Boston. Well, then you can be willing to trade him to a whole bunch of teams. You may not send him to Charlotte, but there's a number of other teams that would be a similar caliber that you could say, well, we're sending you here and like, this is a good team and you should be happy to go there and like, stop complaining and trying to undermine the franchise. Um, I just, that's sort of where I land on that. Like if they could make a trade for Brogdon and, and Robin picks, like I think they would be done already. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Um, there's, that's certainly not one that's going to, you know, push over the rest of the field if there's anyone else bidding. Um, but yeah, at the, at the least, I'm going to be like, you have to at least posture to, to put the pressure on Miami. I think you do. Like, I'm not against the, I think the idea of like, is, does Lillard, Porzingis, Tatum long-term make more sense than Brown, Tatum, Porzingis long-term? I think the case could be made for that. I don't think you're getting either of those long-term. Right, exactly. You're not, are, you, are they just like those for, you know, you got one of those for two years and then have to move on from yeah one of those guys at the, you know, obviously not Tatum, but, you know, move on from Lillard or Persingas in the, in the third year. Um, that And that's where, that's the other conversation. Like if we want to talk about that at all, or if we just want to sort of wrap up, it's like, to me, this, what this off season is about as much as anything is one that they're making a big push this year. They have a lot of guys this year, but I think that they're looking at this now and saying like, if Persingas comes through the season healthy, he's the second guy now. And that they are going to trade right. Jalen, and maybe they were going to trade Jalen anyway. I think they probably would have had to. I mean, I wrote all about it in the in the before the preseason or before the uh, offseason it even really started, saying like this is this new CBA is going to force them to trade Jalen. But I think they look at it now and say like we can't we can't pay fifty million dollars to Jalen Brown, but we can pay thirty million dollars to Kristaps Porzingis being the second guy, and so and build a, a better team this, around with those savings yeah, for and, like and to... have another fifteen million dollars. $20 million per year to, to fill out the rest of your roster. And it's a big man instead of, and they want to obviously be bigger and have more shooting and, and things like that. So like, are they reconfiguring that the roster around that vision anyway? And, and that's what it very much looks like to me. Um, and if, if and that is how the case, right. makes a lot of differences. Too. And if that's the case. And they have to answer like, who helps us win more right now? Lillard or Jalen Brown? Well, that's what I'm that's saying. The like, way that's they're going to go with it. Like, that's my point of like, if you think you're going to be trading Jalen in a year anyway, 
are you trading Jalen in a year or a year and a half, or maybe you can stretch it to two years with, with before Tatum's extension kicks in. But like at some point in the not too distant future, you're trading him. Are you trading him for pieces that you think fit around Tatum and Porzingis for a three, four, five year window? And is the league shaped like that where two stars is now the, the norm because of, um, you know, some of these teams that are going bigger now are going to find that it doesn't actually work that way and break down. And then there's not any mechanisms for them to add salary back in. So, um, you know, are, is that what you're doing? Or are you trading Jalen and saying like, look, we're trying to set up our team and get draft picks again. We're trying to get a big kitty of stuff because our, our real vision for this team is that we're waiting for Luka Doncic or Joel Embiid or whomever else it might be to ask out. And for us to be the team that has both Jason Tatum and all the draft picks that we got for Jalen Brown and the draft picks that we've, that we have not traded ourselves away. And are you basically posturing for like a transitional period of Tatum and Porzingis and Derek White and Rob Williams trying to get to that next thing. Um, and those questions cannot be answered right now, right? Like how this season plays out. If they win the title this year, it changes a lot of things. If Porzingis or Tatum or Brown or whomever else gets a serious injury, it changes a lot of things. If Like there's a lot of just ways for that to, to shift around. This is all whiteboard stuff, sketchpad stuff. Like you have an eraser to, to get rid of a lot of these ideas because they're not all going to hold. I just think that if you're talking about what plans A, B, and C are, it looks to me like plan A now is Tatum, Porzingis, Derek White. Um, and that Grant didn't fit in that because he's a power forward and so is Porzingis. And Marcus Smart didn't fit in that because they see Derek White as the point guard of the future and want to be more heavily in on a certain type of player and shooting in a type of defense that they're going to be playing and, and that they need to, they just want to sort of allocate their long-term resources differently. And for everybody who is going to say that I'm being super negative and uh, that I'm totally wrong about that, like, Forsberg interviewed Brad Stevens where he talked about how now they have to stack up years of spreadsheets next to each other. And that's how they have to build their team. Like they're not hiding it. This is what they're like. The dollars are a huge component of this um, as they are going to be for every team. And so I, I think that's where they are. And, and so then, yeah, to your point, if you're going to end up trading Jalen anyway, is the all in push. That are you, you going to, when are you going to take that all in push? Is this going to be your best all in push? Now? Yeah. Can you just do, it, gonna, you just do it with Willard now? Right. Is that so I guess that, Right. That's that's like ultimately the question, though, to ask here. And how hard do they want to make that push? Um, again, I think the odds are clearly oh, yeah. existent, but yeah. it's still a, so, it's a it's an important exercise. And it's an, it's we'll have and if they you know, we, we've seen them go in both directions on this plenty of times in the last few years. Um, but if this porting and stuff isn't the right fit or he gets hurt, it is could quickly kind of blow up on them. Um, yeah, we're well, looking, so. I think we're steaming towards yet another Celtics heat playoff matchup. That will be a referendum on a lot of things, uh, particularly if they end up with Lillard for, you know, a cheap package of, we manipulated everything in order to force him to be here on our crappy price. <laughs> um, those two teams are probably going to meet again and we'll get to talk all about if Kristaps Porzingis dropping back in defense was a great strategy against Damian Lillard, <laughs> um, which is a concern that I, that I have nine months in advance already. Uh, but you know, we'll have to see. We just too many twists and turns in the road between now and then. I'll end on this quickly. Like, and this is where I come back to Suggs here. Is there any other team out there that is better positioned asset wise to like block the heat on this front than like the Celtics? that realistically that like Lillard would be seemingly okay. Going to from a like, 
contending standpoint? I mean, it depends on how real you think the he respects the Spurs thing is. Uh, and I've been on the case of like, if you think Wembenyama is generational, Luka Doncic was all NBA in his second season. Jason Tatum right. was all NBA in his third season. Wembenyama will be very good this year, and he will be very, very good in years two and three. Uh, so you can very you can see a a team where you say like, if he's willing to go to the Spurs, the Spurs have a ton of draft assets, and if he were to land there with Wembenyama and Vassell and and whoever else they add as they pivot into a team that's more competitive again, and Popovich is not getting any younger, and does he want to move towards winning again after some years of sort of playing around with developmental stuff? I don't know the answer to that, but that's the one team that that can come in and really big foot them just from the teams that have been at least sort of vaguely mentioned as, as Lillard suitors. All right. Well, we're finishing recording this on Thursday morning. We'll see if this is all dated in three hours or not. Um, but uh, plenty to keep an eye on, on the grand front, on the roster front, on the Lillard front, and on what this, whether there's another shooter to drop for this team or whether this is pretty much it um, as far as big moves this often. But in the meantime, Fall Rider Ryan on Twitter at Danger Cart. Um, Ryan, I'll be heading to Las Vegas. I'm sure you're going to be glued to Jordan Walsh and and Banton. Um, some really games out there. I am heading to Blue Sky. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, what's your blue? What's uh, that? I don't have the same. I didn't get the invite yet. Danger Cart. It's the same. Um, there's nobody there anyway. It's just everybody talking about how they hope that it is better than Twitter <laughs> and making jokes about what Twitter was. That's all. Yeah. Um, well, enjoy your trip to Vegas. I have no idea how hot it is this year, but it's pretty hot here, so maybe it's not any worse. Uh, right. It'll probably be yeah. the equivalent 90 and muggy, like as we've had all summer long in the Northeast here. As you said, the Jordan Walsh show, the real star of, yes. of Summer League this year. Forget that Wembenyama and Scoot and all the rest. No, this is the Jordan Walsh show. Stay tuned. Coming up Saturday. All right. We'll be talking to you guys from out there, and thanks again to Ryan, and we'll talk to Sweetie coming up. All right, joined now on the pod by my partner in crime at Mass Live, Suichi Tirada. Make sure you're following him on Twitter at Suichi Tirada. S O U I C H I T R A D A. Have you joined? Have you joined the spaces yet, Suichi? Are you are you are you in on the uh, the new the new craze? No, not yet. I feel yeah. like I'm like waiting it out because I saw some tweets being like these are buggy. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna wait it out. I'm with you. Let's, we'll let them iron out the kinks first, and then we can uh, take a look. But in the meantime, we need <laughs> Mass Live's full reaction to the Grant Williams deal. We actually haven't even talked to you in full, um, you know, I think since draft night here. So what uh, I suppose start with Grant here in terms of where what they've done here with moving another key part of the both on and off the floor with this team out of the fold here. Um for a couple of second round picks and a and a second round pick swap from from the Mavs. Yeah, Birab, just like you wrote a Mass Live for the past few weeks, really, and and I think I made this joke yesterday, like yesterday morning, that you were maybe perhaps sick of writing about the Grant Williams situation <laughs> and sign and trades and all these kinds of things. But I think if you looked at the salary cap constraints and the new CBA, it was going to be difficult for the Celtics to keep him. So I think when you saw the sign and trade. I think some fans are maybe mad that you only got, what, two second-round picks, et cetera, et cetera, the second-round pick swap. But I kind of view Grant next year 
not it's not a perfect apple to apples to apple comparison, but I kind of view him similarly to Malcolm Brogdon last year in the sense that he was going to be a luxury for you next year, especially in that front court rotation. Like he would have been right, like Grant Williams still on his rookie contract would have been a great fourth big man behind Rob, Al, and Kristaps. And so I thought like that would have been great. Kind of like, you know, like the reason Payton and Pritchard kind of worked was because he was so cheap. Uh the last, you know, the last few years, and especially last year as a fourth point or the fourth point guard really on the roster. So that's kind of how I view Grant. Like I just don't think it was good roster building or management to have a guy making, you know, a little more than the MLE, I believe. Um, as it's basically your eighth man in the rotation. Uh and and somebody who I don't necessarily think was going to crack the rotation night in and night out, especially come to playoffs, right? Like, like I said, like if if Al needs a night off, if Rob needs a night off, if Kristaps, you know, is a little banged up, which over the course of 82 games is going to happen, like it would have been great to have Grant. But right. at the same time, like come to playoffs, like, you know, like you 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 just it was going to be hard to see a role for him every night, much like in you know last last this year in 2023. So I I I it, it felt kind of expected. I don't think I was very surprised. I was kind of surprised it was the Mavs just because they've been very active. I think they've had a good offseason. I think Grant actually fits very well in that on that roster. But but like you said, B Rob, like I think you lose you lose a lot between Grant and Marcus, especially on the defensive side. And and you know, I'm not gonna go as far as to say Grant wasn't necessarily a leader um on this team, but at least he he at least was vocal and he at least, you know made his voice heard. And I think you're going to, you lose a little bit of that between him and smart. So, but just to wrap this up, like, I don't think this was unexpected by any means. Like, I think you can kind of read the tea leaves a little bit. Yeah. I really like the comparison you made from like the Brogdon of situation mm-hmm. of last year of being like, it, would it be great? Yes. Would it, mm-hmm. is it a necessity? Like that's debatable. The, and like you said, it's, when you're going from $4 million a year to $13 million a year, it mm-hmm. that's a pretty big difference when you're talking about, you know, the eighth or ninth guy in the roster. Um, with that said, there is that guy, that fourth big is going to be very important this season, given the three guys ahead of them and their durability mm-hmm. concerns and wanting to keep them healthy for the playoffs and, and whatnot. But yeah, it seems it's, I guess an indict not an indictment grant, but just more of a a fact of like they they just never Joe Mazzula never seemed fully bought in for him in the second half of the season last year, and mm-hmm. it's hard to pay a guy that much money when that's not the case. And so now it's interesting to me of like, okay, you you add to this this stockpile of picks, you get a little TP out of this. This was. This is a pretty much like a standard return for a sign trade, like getting two seconds, like mm-hmm. when you have a little bit of leverage, but not too much. This is you know pretty much par for the course. Um, but now, like the interesting part is like what comes with it? Is it a situation where you say, okay, we like this Brissett guy and we like Sam Hauser a lot, and we're just gonna roll mm-hmm. with that, or do you try to get a little more creative and find someone that fits in the TV, like maybe gives you a little more reliability than those two um, when it comes to actually being able to handle like, you know, 
Trubigs, which is something that Hauser and Brissett won't necessarily have the slides for. Yeah, and I'm curious to see how, right, in a TP, I kind of hate that we're talking a lot about a TPE again. <laughs> they never like, stop. I remember, right? Like, I remember when I first came here, it was all TPE talk in uh, February 2021. And then they kind of continued, and then the 48 thing happened, and then, it, you know, we all have to hash it all over all over again. But yeah, I'm, I am curious. I think that's kind of where you see a lot of the draft assets be run, right? Like, it's not like a significant TPE and, like, you're going to absorb, like, a big contract. So I think, uh, like, I think there is going to be like a market where you can kind of offload some of these picks. Maybe the Warriors pick, right? That's not going to be good, very great, but maybe the Warriors pick and a few second rounders, and you get kind of a, you know, I don't have names off the top of my head, but like an interesting wing or big man that kind of fits in that TP that I that's still on their rookie deal. Maybe you know, maybe like a Grant Williams around the league, right? And I think that's sure. kind of where. You, you view that because, like I said, it's not like a huge TPE. So I think that's where the draft picks can come in. Or, you know, I'm not going to say they're going to do it, but you just stockpile all those picks and straight for a star, which uh, I think a lot of Celtics fans have been kind it's, of clamoring for, which is funny. It's still there. I mean, I, like, what's your, what is your take on the Dame Derby here? Is this something that if you are, if Suichi is at the helm right now, the Celtics, <laughs> are you, are you stockpiling everything? If you get without Jalen, or do you do you say let's um let's keep this stuff in the holster and see what else maybe comes to the surface at the trade deadline or down the line? Oh man, I I've gone back and forth on the Dame situation for the Celtics over the last few days. I think you I think you do it. In my opinion, like I think Dame is an all. I I've been a Dame, you know fan for many for many years which is like i love watching him play and i think him with jason would be a lot of fun um i don't know what the exact return would look like going back to the players there's obviously kind of has to be a lot of assets and everything i think you'd do it though just because like dame is so much fun and then it would be kind of funny in my opinion because dame was so adamant about coming to boston if he was a ring in boston right it's just kind of like oh (laughs) right you know, like you can say all these things and you can say you don't want to play for Boston for X, Y, Z reasons. Some of them very fair. But if you win a ring, you know, you're going to be beloved here and you're going to love your time here. So I think that would be a fun subplot. But I think, yeah, if you're up, I think you swing for the trade. If you have any inkling that Jalen might not be happy here, which, you know, we don't know what's going on in Jalen's mind. We don't know how the front office perceives that, but. Maybe they have a little bit more intel and they're kind of like, all right, you know what? Let's just push all in and, and see what this thing's got. I don't know how you feel about it, though, B-Rob. Yeah, I mean, if I think if you can get him without using Jalen and kind of package oh, up yeah, everything, yeah. You, then mm-hmm. you, especially when it's like the alternative is him going to Miami, mm-hmm. I think you kind you of have a duty. That. You got to get up like that's part of the equation. You don't make that be the full thing, but it's like, okay, we can afford to do this. And then even if we can do it for one year with Jalen, you have to break up that team probably after a year mm-hmm. um, unless ownership is willing to pay crazy money for a title, like after winning a title, which is, you know, well, that, yeah. that's something that would be a good problem to have. But yeah, from a, I'm a few in terms of like, because what you have with this right now, if this is like it without like, you know, a minimum signing here and, Mm-hmm. Um, a buy low trade edition there. Like, I don't think 
barring like a huge jump from Porzingis and, and proof that like last year in Washington was not a fluke. Um, mm-hmm. I think you're still very much like a middle of the road contender as opposed to like being a clear cut contender, which you could be if you do that on the damn front. So I, it's, there's, there's so many layers to that, the whole, but mm-hmm. I, I'm with you. I think this is, it's something that you, if the price is right, you, you, you got to kind of be aggressive with it at this point. Yeah, be right, and I'm glad you mentioned that just because like I've seen it around a little bit, but it's just I do question how much better these Celtics got after these moves or this offseason thus far. And I, yeah. And I think that's partly why everyone just is kind of assuming that the Celtics aren't done right, just because like you look at this roster and you can kind of see the vision and you can you can definitely argue that they're more talented, but I think there's a little bit of that unknown of like, how does this all fit together, right? Like, because I think, right, and, and Grant has been criticized quite a bit, but one of his better traits was his defensive versatility. And Joe, Joe has talked about that quite often. And then Marcus, obviously, you got him matching up with Joel Embiid sometimes just because he's Marcus Smart. Like, you lose a lot of that, you know, not only do you lose some of that defensive juice, but you lose some of that versatility. Um, so I, I am curious to see how this all fits together, like, is the scheme going to change? Like, you know, they were, they are playing drop these decent amount. Like with Kristaps, you're probably going to see more of that. Um, especially, you know, with, you're going to see a lot more of that, especially with Kristaps. So it's just, I think, I like, I think a little bit of, you know, like I, I, I'm of the opinion that the Celtics aren't necessarily better yet, but I think a little bit of that is just like, we don't know what the Celtics are going to look like next year uh, in terms of scheme and, and how roles fell out. Like, is Sam Hauser going to take, you know, um, kind of a meaningful step in, like, in terms of consistency? Like, he's not going to have, like, a midseason slump. Maybe Oshai Brissett comes in, is pretty good. Maybe, you know. Uh, so you you have all these options. I still think your top eight or so, top seven or so, is still rock solid. But at the same time, it's like, you know, I think one of the things with Brogdon is, like, how – how different is Brogdon going to look next year with like a, even if he is a six man, like, is he going to have to play more because no, there's no smart, like how much more is Pritchard going to play? Right. Is Brogdon going to be fresh come to playoffs, right? Like his, his injury is kind of a freak thing in, in the East finals, but if, if he, he spoke consistently about how fresh he felt and how good he felt going into the playoffs. Like that might not necessarily be the case next year. Like I mentioned with the front court, like those three, those three, you know, Al's 37, Rob has his injury history, Kristoff has his injury history. So I think there's it just feels like there are missing pieces for that reason. One, because of the unknown, and two, because right, like you kind of need more depth here. So I'm curious to see what Brad does. I'm 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 curious to see what the how the Brogdon situation kind of unfolds just because there's they were seemingly so close to trading him. So it, it just seems like, you know, it just seems like you're halfway done with the test so far. And you're like, okay, let's see. Like, you know, you did some of the hard questions, but you still got some of the easy ones left, maybe a few more minor signings, but it feels like you still have to like untangle a few more. So that's kind of where I stand on the offseason. Yeah, I think you, that breaks down well in terms of like, especially the death part of it of like, mm-hmm. like the rotation makes sense mm-hmm. in, a, in a way now, but it's also like, I feel like one injury away from being like, oh man, like mm-hmm. we're really leaning a little bit too hard on people we we don't want to be leaning on like like a brogdon or clearly like mm-hmm. one of the the bigs if if that gets one of those guys gets hurt right now and so that that is the question now of being like okay how how much of a step are they going to take to address that whether it's the the huge swing of thing getting 
really aggressive for a guy like Lillard and trying to make that, you know, put Portland to the test, put Miami to the test to make sure they have to empty their cupboard fully to get them to, to outbid you. um, If you're not willing to put in Jalen or do, um, or do they think, or does Brad think like, Hey, yeah, like we'll have Rob and Brogdon and Pritchard and Hauser coming off the bench and, and that's our bench and that should be (laughs) fine. And it, for half of last year, that was, fine with with Hauser and you know Harden mm-hmm. was healthy etc but that's still a pretty pretty big gamble to make in a year that's obviously incredibly important for this franchise um from a you know a long-term standpoint yeah one thing I wanted to add was you look at in terms of durability concerns of, of the front court especially like last year even with when Rob was out you kind of had the backbone of 2021, 22, like the chemistry you build up there, that double big lineup, like that's not the case next year. Like if Kristaps misses, you know, 20 games and Rob misses 30 games, right? Throwing out random numbers, but like you need to, I feel like you need to build up that like chemistry and like know how playing next to each other by the playoffs. And like, that's kind of my like, um, like a concern, I think, if they are like injured throughout the regular season, right? And we're, we're, we're kind of getting into the weeds here, but it's just that's just like one thing that you don't necessarily have anymore. Like that, like that core Celtics players, right? Like you got to learn how to play without Marcus now. You got to learn how you fit, how you fit Kristaps Dix into Al and Rob individually. And if injuries take away from that, like let's say, you know, going into the playoffs, you only have like 25, 30 games of Kristaps, Al, and Rob all all in the same game together. Like, I don't think that's like an ideal situation. Like, I think these guys like need to learn how to play next to each other. And, you know, that includes Jalen and Jason, like just that chemistry aspect and everything. So I think that's, that's kind of the unknown that I mentioned earlier. Like, you just don't know how these pieces are going to fit and you need to like untangle that web in a regular season. So I actually think, you know, like the, I, I personally think like the regular season win total will go down, but this, you know, if, if things fit, like they can be a better team, especially in come to playoffs, but it just, right. Like you, you, you throw into that and, and injuries obviously happen, but it, it just feels kind of heightened considering uh, the front court situation and, and depth and all those things. But I think that's it too. Like one, you want the top seven, eight players healthy come to playoffs, but you also want them clicking and it's just, you might not have that time during the regular season. Like that's going to be, I think, a challenge throughout the year for them. No question about it. And that's what we're going to be, you know, keeping an eye on all year long after this deal. And this grants exit, I think adds the pressure on that front, as you kind of laid out there with that group, Mm -hmm. given how much we'll be seeing them on the court this year, but we'll be keeping an eye on that. We'll be keeping an eye on what, happens now what other shoes there are to drop here um and switch and i are also headed out to las vegas so we'll be giving you guys so some top-notch coverage at mass live and on the winning play mm-hmm. spot here heading into next week as we break down all the the jordan walsh film and <laughs> that you can eat and as long as jd davidson and whoever else um Just i guess Ben's gonna be out there too so yeah this is suddenly there's gonna be some his some is NBA going off here. have you seen yeah. that what's that have you seen Champagne's twin brother going off? I believe. Julian. Oh, I've heard. I haven't seen the clips yet, but I've, I've I haven't heard seen the, the clips the, yet. The buzz is. I've heard we'll so many. He... Yeah, I've heard so many Champagne jokes, and I'm like, I might still have to steal some of these <laughs> if the Celtics version goes off. Well, we'll we'll have those at the right here. <laughs> All right, we'll uh, we'll be back with you guys uh, next week for Vegas. We'll talk to Suichi out there for sure. Uh, make sure again you're following him on Twitter, and uh, we'll talk to. 
you guys out there next week.